Coming up, Dark Nights at Hershey Park, Lego Monster Party, and the Nope Experience. All that and more coming up on today's show. Welcome to the show. I'm Philip. On the Haunted Attraction Network podcast, we bring the haunt industry to you every weekday. We have news, commentary, education, and on-location coverage from Halloween experiences around the world. Whether you're a professional or enthusiast, each episode helps you better prepare for Halloween. Outside of this podcast, we have videos, education, and even events. Links to everything are in the show notes. On Mondays, we break down large trends from the news and discuss why it matters to you in our weekly Green Tagged segment. Green Tagged is co-hosted by myself and Scott Swenson. And with that, I'm going to hand it over. Here's the show. From our studios in Tampa and Dallas this week, this is Green Tagged, Theme Park in 30. I'm Philip, and I'm joined by my co-host, Scott Swenson of Scott Swenson Creative Development. Hello, and welcome to Dallas, Philip. It's, it's, a, it's, a it's a quirky city. It's a quirky city. It is indeed something. And I have to ask um, you, why are you in Dallas? I'm in Dallas for the Texas Haunters Convention. And so I'm glad you brought that up, Scott, because this week's show will be a tiny bit different. We're going to hit some news and then maybe do a little discussion at the end uh, because it is a week where I'm traveling. And and uh, yeah, we didn't do too much of a deep dive, but there are plenty of, of big stories we want to talk sure. about. So. so let's dive so in right out. now. Let's dive in. Yeah, our first story is the news that broke from Hershey Park this week. Hershey Park has added haunted houses and scare zones in their expanded Dark Nights Halloween events. Uh, that's pretty much it. <laughs> no, right, I, I can read some of the descriptions, no. but <laughs> but that's uh, no that that's pretty much it. So, the Dark Nights is an add-on. It includes three scare zones and four haunted houses. The Dark Night experiences will run on select dates from September seventeenth through October thirtieth, and the houses were open at six p.m. There's a haunted coal mine. There's the the descent. There's a creature chaos, there's twisted darkness, and then there's the scare zones, which are Midway of Misery, Valley of Fear, and Darkstones Hollow. <laughs> so uh, so basically they're they're gonna keep the daytime more family-friendly stuff, and then they're gonna do the dark night, and they're gonna bring in starting at 6 p.m., bring in the scarier elements. Um, this is a big deal. This is huge. And it's not just a, a big deal for a, a brand of, of this size to be going into uh, scary Halloween, but it also is was a very large investment. And we know some of the people who are on the team, mm -hmm. you know, Epic Entertainment Group was a big piece of it. And it, it's a big budget expenditure for a year one to, to start like way off the gate with this many activations. You know, they, 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 they kind of did something that I think Scott, you talk about, which is you, you start off very strong at your event so that you, you want to leave that good impression right. if they're trying to make this a yearly thing. So they started off very strong. That's right. And we've all heard the phrase, you don't get a second chance to make a good first impression. And this is a perfect example mm -hmm. of that. Um, you know, I, I, as Philip mentioned, we know the people with, with Epic Entertainment, which will be a huge supporter for this. they will be a, a great team to work with. And, um, the thing I find very, very interesting about this particular announcement is it, People are trying to find what their new footing is um, in very, very different ways throughout the industry when it comes to Halloween. Um, there are there are events that have been uh, terrifying and more adult themed that are shifting to more family friendly. Here is an opportunity, or here's an example of a family friendly daytime event now incorporating a a late night separate ticketed not so family friendly event. Um, so it kind of shows that people are are utilizing this opportunity where 
in we're still still kind of in in my opinion it's not a bad time to to test to see is this right because uh, this is a wave where people are going to come period this is the post terror of covid scare and mm-hmm. um i'm not saying it's post covid but i'm saying it's you know people aren't nearly as afraid and they're ready to get out um and you know the the attendances are high people are buying tickets so now is the time to really test without fear i don't think you're going to get the best data uh, because again, people are going to come out and, and test it with, you know, try, try out things just because they want to get out. Um, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think that what everybody needs to be now, I think Hershey's doing it the right way. And, and maybe I'm biased because this is, this goes back to my Bush days where, um, you know, make it a separate ticket, make it yeah. something that people can't accidentally stumble into. Yeah. It's not just for the additional revenue. Um, it's so that guests mm-hmm. don't randomly bring their kids and go, oh, this is scary, huh? Well, we've got to leave. We want our money back. You know, uh, when you pay a separate ticket, you don't accidentally show up um, for an event that's a a bit more terrifying. And like Mm -hmm. most business models, when you have a a separate gate for a a scarier event, um, the separate gate is less, uh, contributes less to the overall profit margin and more to covering costs of the changeovers and the things you need to invest in to make something that's not your family friendly day product. Um, I love this idea because what it does, what it will do for Hershey, I'm assuming is the same thing it's done for many, many, many other parks. It will open up their traditional family friendly park to a completely different demographic. And all of a sudden they'll realize, Ooh, we should come during the day too. So, uh, I, I, kudos to Hershey. I think it's the right thing to do. And, um, I'm I'm sure it's I'm sure it's going to be an awful lot of fun. Uh, I would love to come up and see it. So maybe I'll get a chance to come up and and check it out. I I agree with all of that. I think the the context to your point is is also important because we just talked about last week. You know the Queen Mary transitioning from their Dark Harbor into Shacktoberfest, which is the more family friendly that type of element. And then we talked previously about. Halloween nights at Eastern State Penitentiary and how they started off with it being family friendly and then transitioned kind of through their run into a scarier thing. And we'll just see, because these are both examples of exactly the same type of testing that you're talking about, Mm -hmm. of brands that are trying to figure out where their audience is, where the line is between the family friendly versus the scary. And if it's just interesting that, you know, Eastern State, they had that brand recognition of being a scary event and they tried a family friendly and it they, they couldn't, they, they found out that it was still more profitable basically to be doing the scary. And maybe that's because of the time or maybe it's because of their history. I don't know, but it'll be interesting because this is the inverse, right? It is that Hershey Park has been family friendly for the whole time. They've never done a scary. So this will be I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah. I, again, I, I think that th- there's a bunch of everybody. You know, likes to look at Halloween events in a um, in a microcosm, and and you can't really do that. You have to look at no. you know, like for example, you mentioned Eastern State. Um, Eastern State wanted to try to make their Halloween event a bit more on brand with their daytime product as well. And mm-hmm, there is mm-hmm. that there is that ongoing balance of is it do you want to reinforce the day product or do you want to go uh, a 180 from the day product to again introduce your 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 experience or your attraction to a very very different demographic and there is no right or wrong answer to that question i I think it's important to recognize that those are the kinds of questions you have to ask 
in order to. Yeah. And there's, you know, there are other elements, um, you know, other other uh, attractions that have have made the decision to go away from a, to go back to a more family friendly for things like security reasons. There are people yeah. who have decided to go away from family friendly for profit reasons because you can sell alcohol and alcohol has a huge markup. So, you know, yep. it, it just depends on what is the what do you need? What does your park need and want at this point in time in its in its development? And uh, I think the pendulum will continue to swing back and forth. Um, I think we will continue to see um, over the next few years, because what ends up happening is if you do a scary event and you want to try to ramp it up each year, you get to a point where the only thing you can do is literally, you know, kill people and, and eviscerate them in the middle of your of your plaza to get more yeah, and more and more and more, and more. Manor. <laughs> well yeah 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 so and yeah. there believe me there's more than enough of those so you, you can't with a theme yeah. park you, you there's a there's a ceiling that you have to get to the same is true with family friendly you know you you can only have so much um sugar and unicorn unicorn farts before you go okay this is done it's no longer halloween so mm -hmm. I, it makes total sense that there are times where they will switch back and forth um the approach the approach that, that Hershey is taking, I think, is really wise because now they're not losing any of the, the brand recognition that they've built with their, their family-friendly day product. And they probably realized, you know what, we can make this uh, a second gate or we can we can double yeah. dip on these nights and um, also introduce our park to a whole new demographic. I'm so curious about the data that they looked at when making that decision that you just you know yeah. you just mentioned about yeah. i'm so curious to know I, I would have loved to have been in the room when they kind of like presented the data because there there has been criticism for the event of course there's always criticism right mm -hmm. i mean this is like the theme park world and, and hershey park has rabid like like rabid 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 fans they are very like they're foaming at the mouth of it. they they're, are... yeah they're they're just crazy they'll they'll be at dark nights actually yeah. um and uh, they'll be the scariest part but it's interesting that there's been criticism about the event and how actually the the theming hasn't like tied into the chocolate town thing mm -hmm. because hershey the past several years has been doing the chocolate town renovation they've been really trying to take kind of a more of a, a local amusement park with just the you know basic rides and work in the theming into it so it's something you can only do at hershey even if it's the same ride but you know it it has those those uh, brand elements and this does not have any any of that you know there's there's not a licorice evil character you know there, there's not some sort of there's none of that and there's some pieces that are you know like the haunted coal mine is like you know you're you're taking like that that's using current assets and like the descent is the underground tunnels beneath Hershey Park so there's there's traces of it but they're they're not really tied into the overall uh IP and you know I the criticism I I think there is something to the criticism but I wonder I wonder what you think Scott I I think that again it's it's back to what you said about the context look at the situation mm -hmm. you know like is is that needed for this situation and I think they're not they might not also be sure if they want to tie it yet because this is a the first year event do they want to tie it into the hershey brand that is truly family and make it suddenly there's villains like chocolate villains that's a whole, that's a a big brand decision well and chocolate villains still doesn't go i mean still if, if here's it's the thing, not if that try, scary if you try yeah. to be servant to multiple masters you're going to fail so you have to decide i'm going to drink the kool-aid and we're going to go completely dark 
Um, one of the things, again, based on personal experience, back when we first started Hello Scream at Bush Gardens Tampa, um, there was a strong desire for us to somehow tie in the animal side to a Halloween yep. event. And the biggest challenge we had was, you know, the only way to make an adult event scary that involves animals is to make the animals attack, which is completely yep. off-brand. I mean, like 180 degrees off-brand for uh, the conservation messaging during the day. So uh, that was when we made the decision that, uh, and and the way we the way we always thought about the Hallow Scream event was it's Hallow Scream, which takes place at Bush Gardens. Now, what yep. we started, you know, low those many years ago. Um, now, you know, SEA, the SeaWorld Parks and Entertainment, is now requiring all of their parks um, or all of their their SeaWorld and Bush Gardens parks to do Hollow Scream now because it is a business model that does work. Yeah. But I will I will admit that to board members, it's it's scary in all the wrong ways to say, here we are a family-friendly park that's that's all about conservation and loving of nature and blah, 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 blah. And now we're going to uh, have our, yeah. our main character yeah. for this Halloween event be a serial killer. Um, and I, I can see the same, I can see the same angst going on with a Hershey Park. Um, but I also I think it's exactly the right choice not to tie it back to the daytime brand yeah, uh, because, you know, the only way, how do you, how do you make chocolate scary? You can't make a chocolate villain that's going to be scary to a grown up. Um, the only way you can do that is, and this is a horrible idea. So let me just preface this by saying this would be a horrible idea, but to somehow do some sort of um, uh, psychedelic drugs that are found in chocolate. You know, <laughs> so that you can oh you can God. do this whole trip house. Um, yeah. Horrible idea. So that's yeah, the antithesis yeah. of a good idea. That's not at all a good idea. I'm not suggesting it. I don't think it would be right. There's some people listening who just went, "Oh God, that would be so cool," but it wouldn't be cool. It would be a bad choice. So or back back when like the the candy scare where they like check your candy. Yes, exactly. Like, oh, but that'd be, but that'd be terrible for the brand. Yeah. Check your candy, but also eat yeah, eat, 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 candy. eat lots of Hershey candy, but check it. Make sure there are no razor blades in it. Yeah, yeah. That's mm, terrible. That's horrible. It's just a horrible idea. But that's the, but you see the dilemma there. You know, it's like if you yeah. really want to be scary, you sometimes have to go away from your day brand and recognize we can use some of the same assets, whether it's the underground tunnels or an attraction that you already have, repurposing all of that. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's that's smart. But to to utilize a fluffy family brand and uh, find ways to make it dark and terrifying to grownups, you it may not be the way to go. You know, it, it's yeah. like I, I always tell people we're, when, when we say, for example, we're doing a haunt about some evil character, whether it's a, a witch or a werewolf or a zombie or a whatever, um, we are not promoting we're not promoting being a witch. We're not promoting being a zombie. We're not promoting what we are saying is these are bad. So it's OK to have things that are bad that are in contrast to your good day brand. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, it, yeah. I, I would I would strongly and, I, and I'm sure. Actually, I'm very sure that this was that is not their intent. They want to keep it separate, um, and it will be a recognizable, independent brand as opposed to uh, an extension of their day brand. Yeah, just one note. One note of clarity on there to finish this out. But there, there is one house that's called Creature Chaos, and it it seems like that one might tie into some of their animal stuff because it says join Professor. Join Professor Darkstone as he pits you against Pennsylvania's most fearful and deadly creatures. Don't worry, they're in their cages for now. But again, that's animal escape. That's what we could not do at Bush Correct. Gardens. Um, yeah. And 
it's it's one of those situations where they're utilizing their assets, but they're not trying Correct. to tie it to the core. I mean, the core brand of Hershey is not Pennsylvania animals. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's the distinction. It, it, I, I agree. I think that's exactly it. So, okay. Well, <laughs> that was fun. Let's, we're going to keep, keep in the vein of Halloween. Our next story is uh, that Legoland has bringing back their, their Halloween event, their monster party. And there aren't too many differences in, in this year versus last year. They have a new, the great monster chase 40 movie. They're doing a VIM dance party hosted by Lord Vampire. The, they're doing a disco dragon coaster, which is a little bit of a, a retheme of that. And they're adding additional characters. Um, I think the thing that was interesting is a little bit longer run in California. They're starting September 17th through October 29th, but they're only doing Saturdays. So it's so kind of like a little bit longer run, but only on Saturdays. Uh, in Florida, they're starting, I think, a week early, September 24th, because last year they didn't start until October. Mm -hmm. So kind of uh, seems to me they're they're continuing down the event. They're keeping on the trends. They're keeping it to, uh, you know, Saturdays, which which we've talked about the the, the weekend play you know, um, earlier, but, but on the, the peak day. So. Yeah. And here's a perfect example of extending the day brand. They have chosen yeah. to take, to, to take the Lego day brand, which is an incredibly strong brand, both from entertainment and even more so from retail that already crosses over into an adult market. You know, if you, if you go into a Lego store and you look at the, uh, the Lego death star, um, that's something that no five-year-old is ever going to complete. You, you've got mm -hmm. to be, you've got to be, well, basically an engineer with a, a degree in order to put that thing together. Um, and I have a lot of a lot of friends who are uh, Lego brand um, devotees who are grown-ups and don't have kids. So it, that, this is a, they're a very strong understanding of their brand. And, and, and I've done just a little bit of work with Lego, a tiny bit here and there, and they are. They understand their brand probably better than any of my clients I've ever seen. They know what uh, creative fun is all about. They know what, uh, and it's because it's not just the brick, although that's what you see in everything yep. uh, because it's so identifiable. Um, but it's they've it, done a good job reinventing it and making characters and making and characters and making it creative and making it fun and um, putting putting the 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 well established Lego creative brand over the seasonal events. Okay, well, we talked last week as well about the addition to the Universal Studios Hollywood Studio Tour, which is the Nope set that the they they're bringing in from Jupiter's Claim. You're going to be able to, they're adding that to the tour. They held an opening party, which I actually was able to go to, so I could share a little bit of insights about that. Um, I wasn't personally invited. I actually went with a with a friend who was invited because I'm not important enough. You to were the be plus one, to, is what you're saying. I was the plus one, but that's okay. I will take it. Um, you know, I guess I, I uh, Universal Pictures was the ones that was the one that hosted it uh, as their official preview party for the uh, Nope movie, and so it was a uh, cast from the movie and. Uh, other other local celebrities, and then uh, I was the plus one, which is fine because I, you, know, you still got. Go. I wouldn't expect it. Yeah, still I still got, got to go. go. I still oh, got to know. see everything. Call me yeah. what you will. I still got to go. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and I, I did. Uh, they. It was funny because when I checked in, they were like, because I had my camera with me, and they're like, "Oh, you're working?" Because it was clear. Because I, you know, we, we checked in. Like it's like you get there, and and all the important people go to the red carpet, and then 
all the rest of us go over to the table where they're like checking your equipment and be like, oh, you're working, right? And then, so it was, it, was, uh, it was funny. But anyway, it was, it, was a, it was a really good event that they did and I got to see walk around the set. Um, I'm very curious to see if they're going to, how they're going to incorporate that into Halloween Horror Nights. Again, keeping on our like Halloween plan here, how are they going to incorporate that into it? And, uh, but the event they did itself was phenomenal. It was run by a few people we know. Justin Fix from JFI Productions um, provided some of the scripting and writing for the for the event. But basically, it was the event was an, an immersive experience that, that takes place in the new set. So what happens is you start it in like the pre-party zone, which was up on. Uh, in the in the backlot area and then they drove you in shuttles over to the set you got out and there was a whole actors a whole immersive acting experience it kind of reminded me of the ghost town model actually which was very interesting mm -hmm. you walked into jupiter's claim all of the shops there were all all manned i mean everything was set up as if it was it was you know a, a real walking in you know old west town and all the characters were characters living there mm -hmm. and you were doing freeform experiences. And what happens is you show up and the, the whole premise of the night was you, you showed up and you were going around to different characters and interacting with them to earn coins, basically to earn, to earn credits. And then you took the credits over to the general store and you could buy a t-shirt won the general store with the stuff. And you, there were different tasks, you know, you could do go find or deliver messages or scavenger hunts, but there were also games of chance where you could try and win coins with games of chance. And they had, you know, all the old style. They had an old style uh, candy area where they brought all candy out. They had uh, pretzels. They had kind of, you know, so they brought in food as well. So there was this whole whole event. And then throughout the night, on kind of a time loop, you know, the power would go out, and you would kind of see little teasers from the movie that were worked into it. And, 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 you know, you could try asking the characters about it to discover more about the mystery. And a lot of them wouldn't talk to you unless you had completed certain quests or whatnot. So from a, for, for like a one night event, I was kind of shocked with the amount of scripting and the amount of, of cast and the amount of, of uh, writing that went into creating this immersive experience. Everybody that I talked to said it was only a one night experience that they were not planning on staffing that area for the studio tour or outside of it. I'm curious. I mean, that could be true. Um, I, I could, I could see, I could see, you know, Universal Pictures kind of having the, the resources to say, okay, you know, we're going to, we're going to write a whole script and do all the casting characters for just a, a one time thing. Mm -hmm. I could see that, but mm -hmm. I, it makes me wonder if all that development's already been done, if, if it might show up some somewhere else. Well, and at the very least, it's testing a concept. You know, if it's Correct. if it's proof of concept... That's also what I was thinking. Yeah, if it's yeah. proof of concept, it's something that they may they may bring back, they may not. To your point, um, when it comes to when it comes to opening a film, uh, and especially a major studio blockbuster mm -hmm. kind of film, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. it, the money behind those promotions is is huge. And those of us in the theme park industry go, wait, that's what we spend on a full attraction. You're spending it on one night, um, mm -hmm. but that's that's just the economy of scale. You know, it's the, they can make a lot more back if they get a good uh, first weekend of a movie. Um, in fact, they can make more in a good first weekend of a movie than any theme park could make in their first year. So, um, yeah, uh, there you go. Uh, so the idea, the idea behind it, I think, is super smart. Um, like I said, I, I still had the question about, you know, they they clearly have a great deal of confidence in it because they're they're putting it in really sight unseen uh, by mm -hmm. by the 
the guests, by movie guests, um, mm -hmm. and getting a lot behind it. So again, I, I think it was also a perfect opportunity to uh, introduce what this new set piece and this new part of the studio tour is going to look like and um, and introduce it in a way that is stuff that I've been promoting for, well, yep. at this point now, at least 10 years, um, yep. where, where people come in, do stuff, uh, become characters, become cast as Correct. part of the Correct. world. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's been, like, you're given a role when you you're walk given in, a role when you walk in. It's no, and the thing yep. is, this is, I'm glad you mentioned, um, ghost town alive because again, giving credit where credit is due yeah, that, that event really was, uh, I won't even say the first experience like that, but it was certainly the first large scale theme park that I was aware of that was doing that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, Sleep No More has done the same thing with Punch Drunk in New York. And so, so it's just nice to see that it's now reaching the level where it's kind of common occurrence. You know, yeah. I just I just closed an event last night, which was was similar called the Vault of Dreams, mm -hmm. which was uh, a high end cocktail party two night. It was a two night event, high end cocktail party um, at the Vault Tampa, where where the Vault of Souls also happens. And uh, we did the we did the same thing, but it was all based on twisted versions of the characters from Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream. So, yeah. and the whole concept was, you're attending a party thrown by these characters, and uh, so it was a, it was a fun experience, and again, very very immersive. And the guests are eating it up. Guests yes. are eating it up. So it has become common practice. I mean, it, clearly, if yeah. a if a movie studio is using it to uh, to schmooze and 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 hype their latest film, it has now become recognized as this serves a purpose and it really connects with guests and audiences. That was, I'm so glad you picked up on that. That was my one of my biggest takeaways is I was like, oh, this is mainstream enough now that you would throw celebrities from a red carpet on a shuttle, shuttle them down to a set and have them walk into an immersive experience where they have to complete games of chance to earn coins to, to get a t-shirt. Yep. yep. Because I think... That is something that previously would have been completely, it's like, it's like making, it's like a back in the day where, where they were like, you can't make press work for alcohol. They'll riot. You know, <laughs> like, that, like, it's like this thing where like, wait, you have to work to earn a t-shirt from this. Like, I mean, they're celebrities, give them a t-shirt, but like, that's the fun of it. Right. That's, that's the thing. You're like, you got to earn three gold coins to, to get a t-shirt. And what people forget is they're celebrities. Their right. agents can make a phone call and get them a T-shirt. Yes. They don't really have to earn the three coins. There's a there's a yeah. perceived, you know, immersive fun quality to this. Yes, uh, we did this. Yeah. I, I did a I did a fundraiser for Lions Eye Institute several years ago, where we gamified the entire night and we mm -hmm. divided the entire audience into four different houses of fashion because the whole cool. the whole evening was it's fashionable to care. And, uh, and we did, as the, the highlight of the evening, we did a fashion show where all the, the models were legally blind. Um, mm. and, and we honored two uh, fashion designers, two blind brothers. And if you're not familiar with two blind brothers, search them online. Their clothes are amazing. But um, so we, what we did was we gamified the whole night so that every time you did something, you got more buttons thrown into the jar for your house of fashion. And the house of fashion at the end of the night that had the most buttons in their jar uh, got an extra um, take-home dessert bunt cake. So it, it, was a, it was a way to make the night fun. Um, we were going to give away end-of-night stuff yeah. anyway. 
So, yeah. and, and what ended up happening is it actually kept people at the fundraiser longer. So they continued to make donations and yeah. the next year's, the, the donations were, um, I can't give dollar numbers, but they, they went up, the, the, they were 175% what they were from the year before. So they went up 75% True. in one year just by keeping people yeah. there and making sure they had fun. So yeah. the buzz about, I mean, here we are talking about, um, here we are talking about this film, which we wouldn't have even covered had it not had this kind of immersive experience. Yeah. You know, you would have, yeah. you might've gone to the party if it was just a cocktail party with, with, you know, the, the standard buffet finger foods and you would have said, yeah, I went to this party. It was fine. Um, but mm -hmm. here we are, we've, we've already given them, uh, airtime for our, for our billions and billions of listeners. Um, they've already, <laughs> we've already given them airtime for it just because they created a really cool immersive experience that impacted yeah. you and was worthy of chatter. So yeah, it's, it's mainstream. It's the way to go. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to warn people in the industry, if you're not willing to embrace it, you're going to get left behind. Correct. That, that was actually the, the, the last takeaway I wanted to mention from it was, again, you might, I, I think, as we try and do on the show here, we're trying to, to take these elements and, and make it applicable to people of different sizes. You don't have to have the movie budget or be universal with this. Essentially, it's the same thing we talk about all the time. It's an asset that they had, they put it in a new location, and then they're, it's a velvet rope, mm -hmm. if you think of it that way. Mm -hmm. It's a velvet rope of a VIP experience, basically. They could have sold this and people would have bought it. That's that's the key. And that's what I wonder if they're not testing, but they could have definitely sold this and people would have bought it where they, you you have this asset that's currently there and all you do is you drive people to it, you take people to it and let them have an experience around it and then they leave. And then, and the thing is, uh, you know, people all the time say, you know, why can't we just reskin a ride or why can't we do a behind the scenes tour, that kind of stuff. Like, this type of stuff is so much less complicated than that because you don't have to deal with getting any attraction reapproved or going into the the DMX system and reprogramming a show or blah 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 blah. Like just that stuff's actually relatively complicated. Mm -hmm. This is literally just repurposing an asset for an activity that is a velvet rope, and people loved it, and they didn't have to touch anything. You, right. you really, the they sets remain sets. They had the actors were in front of them. Yep, they had it. And and you know whether it's proof of concept for this particular set or you know Universal Studios has a mm -hmm. few of those movie sets um, yep. on their property, yep. so it could have been a test of concept for you know anything else. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm curious to see where they go with that because I could. I would love to see, for example, I would love to see a park where one whole section is just nothing but, you know, you're going to go live in this world or you're going to go live in this. Yep. I mean, it's it's truly, we're, we're truly edging towards Westworld now, but um, mm -hmm. but seeing how you can do those kinds of immersive experiences in in multiple locations. And it can clearly be done and people talk about it. Well, yeah. we're, we're, we've been talking about what all the people have been talking about, and um, but unfortunately our time is up now. So thank you so much for listening to us again this week. Share us with everybody. On behalf of Philip and myself, this is Green Tag Theme Park in 30, and we will see you next week. Okay, that's it for today. We'll see you back here tomorrow for our weekly Haunt News Roundup. Just a reminder, we are preparing for our annual Hauntathon. If you have a haunt that you would like us to cover on the show, please contact us and let us know about it. We do cover haunts, both large and small, during a Hauntathon. And if you just have news you want us to cover for your haunt, we do run a weekly newsletter and we are accepting submissions for inclusion in our weekly Haunt News Roundup. So if you just have news to send, send that over as well. 
Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant. Our partner stations include A Scott in the Dark, Scare Track, The Scare Factor, and Haunt Topic Radio. Finally, please, please, please rate and subscribe to our show wherever you're listening. And until next time, Haunters, stay scary. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.